This show is brought to you by the Podcast Network. If you're interested in finding out about some of our other shows, or you would like to advertise or sponsor a show, please go to www.thepodcastnetwork.com for more details. G'day, you're on the pod with Mick and Ken from the G'day World Podcast. G'day world, this is the Cam and Mick Show. G'day Mick, how are you mate? G'day Cam, how you doing buddy? Good, thank you buddy. Uh, Melbourne time, it's 10.45am on Friday the 28th of January 2005 and in the green room today we have Mr Hobart Swan from Mindjet. Now I'd love to tell you a lot about Hobart but I don't know a lot about him. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he's got a blog. <laughs> um, I know that he's. The, yeah, I thought he had uh, headphones on in the green room. What's going on? Yeah, you're not supposed to be able to hear this, Hobie. This is we like to pretend that. You go, okay, he kind of blew that for us. Blew the illusion. Do you have a blog, Hobie? Yeah. Well, excuse me. Do you have a blog? I, I do not have a blog. I have a, I have a five-year-old instead. <laughs> That's no excuse. I've got two four-year-olds. That hasn't stopped me. Do you really? Yeah. Oh. You know, well, anyway, my, my hat's off to you. That's, a, that's all the more reason to have a blog if you've got kids, mate. You have to do, have something as an outlet. Anyway, Hobie is the, uh, let me see if I get this right, the manager of external affairs for MindJet, the makers of Mind Manager. That's correct. Excellent. Welcome to the show, Hobie. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And uh, I've been looking forward to talking, Hobie, for, for quite a few weeks now since I Started using Mind Manager again after a break of several years, and I've got to tell you, I've, I've been so excited about X5 Pro. By the way, this isn't a sponsored ad, just for anyone who's worried about that. But it's it is it's a, it's a great product, and I and uh, since I got my new tablet PC, my uh, Acer Travelmate 301, that wasn't an ad either, but we're waiting. Um, he keeps and, trying. Uh, Running MindJet, uh, running Mind Manager on the tablet is obviously just a phenomenal experience. But um, so we just thought we'd get you on and have a bit of a chat about that and the background of MindJet and the book mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. you know tips and tricks. Anyway, we'll just make it up as we go along as we usually do. Okay. So take us right back to the beginning, Hobie. Take us back to the beginning. Where did Mind Manager come from? Well, it's actually it's actually quite a quite an interesting story, and and actually the story before the story is that when I when I first started working at Mindjet, one of the one of the reasons they hired me that I, I found out after I'd been there about a month was because they thought I was a good writer, and they wanted me to write a story about their about their company, and to me that sounded about I don't know what the Australian expression is, but it sounded about as dull as dishwater. I mean, you know, it's just the story of some software company, like oh, fascinating. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, so I didn't really push them on it, and uh, a couple months later they said, "No, we really want you to write this book." And and I said, "Well, okay, but I, you know, I just it's just not really it's not that interesting a story." And they said, "Well, we need to tell you the real story." So then they proceeded to tell me that in in uh, 1989, the, the the founders Mike and Bettina Jetter are German um, are of German origin in southern Germany, and uh, they. In about 1999, they'd, they'd gotten married and they were just about to... Oh, wait. See, I'm already screwing up the chronology. In 1989, um, when they were about to go on a vacation, Mike came back from a job he was working on in England as a computer programmer and, and discovered 
after a very uncomfortable Christmas Eve with his uh, family and friends that um, he was he had uh, chronic myeloid leukemia. So out of the blue, this uh, this guy who was he was, he was uh, about 25 years old, and you know just he had just gotten his degree from uh, you know higher education in computer, and he was just ready to set the world on fire. He find he finds out that he has a, a fatal disease. So they they fought the disease for uh, about five more years, and he had a couple of bone marrow transplants. And uh, by 1994, when he had his um, third relapse, it really looked like he he had run out of options. He had tried uh, he had three bone marrow transplants, a stem cell transplant, and this thing called a donor leukocyte injection, and none of them seemed to work. So he he went back in uh, into this uh, German cancer hospital for what what he he was trying to be optimistic, but he also felt like it could probably be the last thing he did on the planet that was to try this last therapy. And uh, interestingly, he decided to do something while he was in the in the in this isolation room in, in the cancer ward. So he took in a uh, he had his wife Bettina um, disinfect this big old computer because this was you know 1994 now this big desktop computer and they they got it into his isolation room which was you know a completely germ free environment. So she had like, I don't know how she did it, but she like sort of wiped this whole computer down and the mouse and the keyboard and everything. And the orderlies found him a desk and a chair. And so he sat there for uh, about three weeks while he was getting this treatment and, and pounded out the code of what he hoped would be an interesting new user interface and possibly his sort of parting legacy to the world. And, uh, and that was the first version of my manager in 1994. So it, it has kind of an interesting background that way, and, and he got out of the hospital and he survived. Obviously, well, I don't know if it's not obvious. He he did survive. He's he's the chief technical officer now of the company, and Bettina Jeter, his wife, is the chief operating officer. And they they went from that rudimentary code coming out of the hospital room to what is now a twenty million dollar company. Hmm. What a fantastic story! And and so why did he sit down and do mind mapping software? Surely, if you know, you, you think you're on your deathbed, there'd be other things I'd be <laughs> thinking of doing. I mean, I'd have a room full of, I don't know, hookers or something. Uh, I'd be snorting lines of coke. I, I wouldn't be trying to write mind. I'd be doing all the stuff that I never did in my life. You know, I wouldn't be writing mind right. mapping software. Where, 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 where did that come from? <laughs> well, it may have been that all the other options you mentioned weren't weren't uh, were beyond the realm of possibility. I don't know, but. <laughs> um, I think you know he was he had always been interested in graphic uh, user interfaces, and I think um, a couple years earlier, working at one of these large German software companies, he had actually seen a demonstration of mind mapping, and he and Bettina had both felt like it was a really interesting technique, and at the same time completely unusable for business people because it was all manual. You you drew a mind map on a piece of paper, and you know when it was all finished, you had a great visual uh, architecture of your thinking, but there wasn't much you could do with it because it was on a piece of paper. So um, he, he really, uh, I mean, Mike, is, he's a very earnest guy, you know, and he just kind of felt like he, he wanted to do, he wanted to leave something behind, for, you know, for posterity, and he felt like mind mapping really had the potential to improve the way people work, to make their jobs more creative, to make their jobs more fun, 
and so he he sort of felt like, well, I'm a computer programmer. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write a symphony. I'm not gonna paint my masterpiece. I'm gonna do what I know how to do, and that's to do software. Hmm. And and how did he get the software out there? I mean, I mean, I, the thing that f- I guess fascinates me about mind mapping software. Every time I use it, it just blows my mind. Particularly this this latest version of Mind Manager is just stunning. It's the way it's integrated into Microsoft Office and the way it's got RSS and XML feeds integrated into it is just stunning. But how did he get the software out there? How did it become um, as successful as it has been? Well, I, I think uh, the it was actually really good timing that the the it wasn't called the World Wide Web, World Wide Web back then, but the internet was was there. People knew about it. And he was able to um, to locate a couple of resellers of you know just general software resellers who who knew some people and so it just grew from like them making sending out emails to their reseller asking for leads and and getting into I can't I actually can't remember at the very beginning if there were chat rooms or somewhere but but somehow they just started making these individual connections to people around the world who were interested in. Uh, what they were doing, and it and it's just so cool because I mean this was two people working out of their their spare bedroom, you know, at night and on the weekends when, you know, when they weren't working at their regular jobs, and they were literally literally marketing to the entire world, um, and the business grew really slowly. In fact, it grew so slowly that th- I remember when they when they sold their first license, they took their share of it and they went out to they went out to dinner to celebrate. And they decided that every time they would, every time they sold a license, they would take the money and they go out and have a little party, because <laughs> they never thought it would amount to very much. But they said within a couple of weeks they had to stop because they were going out to dinner too much and, and they were afraid they'd put on weight, because <laughs> it because it actually took off pretty quickly. And I mean, it, it grew it grew organically, but it grew steadily. I guess not quickly, maybe steadily is a better word. Um, yeah. And you know, so they were able able to find more and more resellers who were interested in. And doing the, the software, and you know, then they then they ended up getting the attention of Siemens and HP in particular, and uh, and the orders started to, to get larger, and and uh, and it's I mean it's a really long story, so I'll stop right there on that. I'll answer your particular question because I could just go on and on about all sorts of tangents. <laughs> That's all right. We like tangents. The other thing, that, <laughs> the other thing that fascinates me about mind mapping software is the fact that it's not as widely used as it should be. I mean, it's you know since I've been back doing mind maps now for the last couple of months and and showing them to everybody I work with and and in planning sessions and in meetings, I still get this look on people's faces like, my God, what, what the hell are you doing that for? Have you got any thoughts on why it has not been more widely adopted? Just the, let's let's say not necessarily mind manager because there's a number of applications out mm-hmm. there. But why aren't people using mind mapping techniques on a PC to run the way that they manage their projects or their brainstorming, etc.? Well, I, I actually have a, actually happen to have a pretty philosophical answer to that. I don't know if if it has anything to do with reality, but but I think it actually in my opinion, it goes all the way back to um, the ancients, you know, the Aristotle and Plato, who, who actually, um, they they belittled visual images because they felt like 
our eyes can deceive us. And I mean, this was back before physics, really. Back when you know, they one of the one of the proofs that they give is if you if you take a stick and put it in water, the stick appears broken, when in fact it isn't broken. So our eyes deceive us, and you know, it was refraction was what they were talking about. They didn't understand it. But but even even back then, I think they planted the seed in Western um, Western men's Western people's minds that um, that the visual image is something to be trusted. And and I I mean I think that's that's a pretty long uh, history. But but I do feel like business people don't uh, give credence to something unless it's basically uh, typed characters on a, on a page. And you know they'll put in a little chart for uh, for an illustration to, to you know to demonstrate some particular thing, or there might be a graph or something. But in general, a, a business document is only serious when it's you know 25 pages long and with 10,000 words and you know, maybe three or four illustrations. And it's and I, I don't know. I guess it's just sort of a, a developmental process that that we as a as a world culture are going through or something because. I mean, we just have so many people who have worked that way, and you know, it's because they don't know there's an alternative. But when we give them an alternative to it, they leave that behind so quickly. It's it's it cracks me up, you know. I mean, we have we have a customer who's like he's the COO of Allied Telecent. It's a it's almost a 700 million dollar company, you know, and he he will not meet with his managers anymore unless they give him a mind map beforehand, because hmm. he said. You know, if you give me a 10-page report, I, I don't have time to read it, so it's pointless. You know, if you give me a one-page mind map, I can scan it. I understand exactly the challenges you're facing, and what you need to solve. And when you come to the meeting, we're not going to spend 25 minutes for me trying to understand what you're struggling with. I already know what you're struggling with. We're going to spend that time solving your issues. You know, and for him, it's like a it's like night and day. He didn't know it existed, so he worked with the the multi-page memos. Now he see, now he sees that there's something called mind mapping out there, and now he wouldn't go back to a five-page memo if you held a gun at his head. So, so for us, I mean, it's really a challenge of uh, of exposure. We I mean, this, this might sound a little bit pompous, but we it's we rarely find people who don't understand and see the immediately see the benefits of of our sort of visual interface. And and yeah, I mean, it's not just ours. It's there's a number of mind mapping companies out there, and I think I think they all have the same experiences we just happen to be a magnitude larger than the rest of them so we we are i think we're, we're being pretty aggressive about trying to educate especially the american um uh, business community but also to some extent the the rest of the world business community i mean i think there used to be a big you know a big up well there was a big uptake in mind mapping stuff in the sort of 96 97 98 period Sort of aligned itself with the with the rise of the dot coms and you know sort of new organisations with sort of new ideas behind how were they how ideas were developed and you know I mean I definitely in Australia note I remember back in ninety five ninety six ninety seven we were all using mind mapping software and then it just sort of dropped off the horizon for some reason it only seems to have come back recently. Hmm. <laughs> You gotta make a point well, there, Nick. Or just make like throwing it out there. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, I, I I think I was first introduced to it around about no, 95, yeah. 96. There was a, a colleague of mine at the time who gave me, hmm. loaned me a copy of um, Tony Buzan's book on mind mapping, which I've still got. I, I I don't like to give books back that I enjoy, and uh, <laughs> and, and it was it was like a revelation to me when I first discovered. It. And then I've used it on and off over the years, but 
yeah, absolutely amazing to me now how much more productive I feel that I am having. Because, mm-hmm. you know, and this probably sounds silly, but the the way I use my main mind map now is like as a project management because I've got a lot of projects on and they're complex and and I kind of find that the mind map really does resemble the way my brain seems to work. It has it has mm-hmm. it can be very cluttered and there's lots of stuff in there and I can expand it up but I can then I can shrink it right back down and just try and simplify what I'm going to focus on and it, it just I can't believe how much more productive I am now. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. Yeah, I mean I think that's I think that's um I mean it's it's uh you know it, it, there's a, this whole thing about the the, the brain research that was done in the 50s that, that looked at how the different hemispheres of our brain work and just this whole thing that, uh, you know, going back to these five-page memos, I mean, our brains, that that sort of way of conveying information appeals to our left hemisphere. I mean, it's all very logical, it's orderly, it's analytical, and, you know, linear, and we absolutely need to get information that way. But the whole right side of our brain is, uh, you know, it's it's visual, It's there's rhythm, this, uh, you know, gestalt, like the overall view, the overview. And, uh, you know, our brain, you know, half of our brain is dedicated to receiving information in this way that, that, I mean, it's kind of starved for that kind of information in a business environment. You know, you go home and you watch TV or something, and that's totally appealing to the right brain and not so much to the left brain. But so I think I think one of the things about mind mapping is that it's really kind of a whole-brained way of communicating and and I think people respond to it almost unconsciously because it's as if this this spigot that's been turned off to the to the right hemisphere of their brains has suddenly opened up, and, and information that might otherwise be really com- complicated and hard to to um, comprehend suddenly it's much easier to understand. And I think it's increasingly relevant in this age we're in now of information overload. The great thing, for, another great thing for me about a mind map is I can let my eyes just sit there sometimes and scan over a single page. It's fully expanded. I can scan over that and stuff will jump out at me. Things that I had forgotten about, things I need to do, you know, it stimulates creativity because it's all there on one page and my eyes can, you know, just browse over it and take it all in. And I find that in, in this day and age is fantastic. But the question I had for you, though, Hobie, was how do you use Mind Manager in your day-to-day? Have you got particular places or, or methodologies that you use it uh, in your daily work and, and personal life? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, um, I'm, I'm looking for a pair of skis. I want to buy a new pair of skis. So uh, I really like the. Um, we have this thing you can do with it with the software where, you know, I've got a, a browser open, and I find a, a web page that I like, and I just grab the the explore. I use Explorer. I just grab the Explorer icon and drag that onto a map, and it immediately hyperlinks one a topic to that to that um, address, and then I type in you know this is you know a pair of Nordica screamers and. You know, they're good for all mountain, and you know, I make some notes on it, and then I, I can pull in our. We have like a Google search thing, and I'll pull in the Google thing and say, okay, where can I get Nordica screamers in Boise, Idaho? And I'll get some results. So I just attach them to the Nordica screamer branch, and, and then when I take them out and demo them, then I can come back and I can make some notes about how I enjoyed the, those skis, you know. 
so I mean on a very personal level it, it's a way for me to to kind of keep track of things like that which is really good for me because I have a horrible memory and a month from now I'm not going to remember whether I like the Nordica Screamers or not but I can because I go back to this map that I've built and it's you know I'm it's you know skiing is so complicated and there's like 10 different kinds of skis out there you can get that uh so it, so it's, that's just an example of how I use it to structure information like that um but in terms of my work environment, yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I, I, I've been at MindJet for four years, and I'd never heard of mind mapping before then. And now I, I think like most people who, who do it, I can't, I can't even figure out how I would work if I didn't have mapping and a map in front of me. Because the, uh, I mean, I, I, I use it mostly for to-do lists, and, 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 um, and it, it, I don't know, it's just something about the, you know, I've tried to use my calendar, the task list, and Outlook and stuff like that, but it's just nice to be able to create a, a task, um, put a sign, a little empty box next to it that means it's not done, and if I need, you know, if it involves a particular string of emails, I can attach the emails to that task and to keep track of what's going on with getting that task done. And um, I don't know, it's just it's just a very visual way for me to manage what I'm trying to do and it seems like every other way I try to do it I just get I get lost in the interface but in a, in a mapping inter, in, interface I just I don't seem to get lost as easily mm. and then I also um, I used it to write the the, uh, the book um, the cancer code so that was really interesting to you know it's ended up being a I can't you know 50,000 word 200 page book and I, I pretty much wrote it all using my manager so is there a danger? Use? Is there a danger out there that I suppose, like I said, going back to the to the mid '90s, the concept of mind mapping as a tool was really something that you used for brainstorming, and that was essentially it. And uh-huh. sort of, you know, the stuff you're talking about now and the stuff that Cameron's talking about is taking it away from that and sort of going, well, this is just a way to keep my thoughts organised, and it's that whole sort of what mind mapping, I suppose, is really about. So, but is there a danger that you know people still associate it with this concept of brainstorming? Um, well, we, um, yeah, I mean, I think if it is, it is a danger if people think that it's only good for brainstorming. I mean, it, it is absolutely good for brainstorming, and we just did a case study with Air Product and Chemicals. It's a, you know, it's it's a huge company that provides all the the gases for the um, silicon chip industry. So, but you know, I mean, they they totally use it for brainstorming new products, and you know, lots of Fortune 500 companies do. But the thing that the, the thing that's nice is that when you know people start to use mind mapping for brainstorming, and then I think almost organically, if you do that, you start to realize that you you know it sort of starts to stretch across the the work cycle. So yeah, you only thought you were going to use it for for brainstorming, but then you realize well if I just if I just do a little bit more work on this, then I could export it to project, and I've got my work breakdown structure. Or if I uh, if I just keep adding content to it as this project goes along that I'm actually creating a really interesting view of all the project details and and I think if if people do start using it at brainstorming a lot of them will pretty soon figure out that it's it extends beyond that but but we're also um, I mean it's interesting you raise that because we we want to push people using it beyond that so that's why when our previous version was my manager 2002 which was a you know it was a nice interface but it was pretty flat, pretty simple. And the, the two things that people told us, two things our customers told us was, first of all, 
that the interface itself didn't look professional enough to take into a boardroom. And the second was that they didn't like the way you had to enter every single piece of information in the map by hand. So starting in about, um, well, I don't know. It, it took us about a year, I think about 18 months, to completely rebuild the software on an XML code base so that we could start to do integration with, with other sources of information. So, so for instance, now we have, um, we have an integration with Salesforce.com where you can, uh, a salesperson, it's a, a salesperson can pull up any number of views of the, of their CRM data that's in Salesforce.com and populate a map of like all their opportunities or all their accounts or the social structure inside of a, one of their target accounts. And, you know, they, the first thing they see is a fully populated map. And then they start to brainstorm on that information or they start to assign tasks to people and it, it's a round-trip sync with Salesforce, so it uh, it becomes a real sort of line of business tool rather than just something you do at the start of a project or you know some sort of creative activity. Mm, so yeah, really. we really we think we think that it, it is useful across the whole workflow cycle, and and uh, so we're we're trying to trying to find ways to make that clear to people, as as well as knowing that a lot of people will figure that out by themselves. Mm. I, mean, I think I was just having a quick look at those Salesforce maps, and they're, yeah, they are very cool. It's a very cool idea to cross-populate that information across because it's suddenly, you know, if people have been thinking of it as a as a brainstorming tool, you, like you said, the ability to pre-populate mm. this stuff and then give you a base to work from, then um, re, you know, it really lets you to expand the possibilities of what you can do with it. So, yeah, no, that's Salesforce yeah. stuff's very cool. Yeah, and, it's, and we're doing an integration now with the business process modeling uh, application too. And the, you know, it's it's interesting because whether it's Office or Salesforce or this um, Commerce Quest, the business process modeling thing, it's all it's like it's all the same. Because I think what mind maps do is they we sort of look at them sort of like an intelligent layer that sits on top of uh, you know applications and databases and provides a way for a user who's not uh, I mean, you know, like there, like there, there are people who use Microsoft Project who they belong to the Microsoft Project users groups, and they, they can take you to places in Microsoft Project that, you know, they boggle the mind. But the majority of people who who use Project, they really don't have any idea how to use it. I mean, it's like it's like everybody else, you know, use 10% of the of the application. So what we do is we, we just make it easier for people to use whatever application or database they're using. You know, we just give them like this really simple human uh, interface that, that is actually very powerful at the same time. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I guess for, for me, the, the, the biggest um, frustration in managing my information pre-Mind Manager was this, I, I've really got a bad sense of... Uh, directory hierarchies and structuring where I store my data. I've got folders with you know, Word documents that go back 10 years. I've got spreadsheets everywhere. I've got project files and pocket PCs and laptops and home PCs and <laughs> contact. You know, it's just, it's everywhere. And so, you know, usually when I'm looking for something, I have to search. And fortunately, some of the desktop search engines are getting better now. But it's, it's still very messy, and one of the great things about using mind maps is I can, I can create like a visual representation of all of the information that 
I have, and then hyperlink from the visual representation to the actual data store, uh, to the documents, mm -hmm. to the spreadsheets, to the contacts, the calendar items, whatever it is. Even you know with some of these um, map parts that you have now, doing uh, updatable RSS feeds and updatable you know links to my tasks and all that kind of stuff. And that was the other question I had. What, how come you guys have integrated RSS into your product so soon? Are you the first major application to have integrated RSS, do you think? Um, I don't know. You know, it's funny because uh, uh, I, I think in a, in a sense it's, it was just opportunistic of us. I mean, we, ha we had all this – we had this XML um, structure and all this RSS stuff is XML. So we just thought, well, hey, that's, that's kind of an easy win right there. We'll just, we can just integrate that right in. And we haven't really pushed it much, and and we, you know we get comments from people that and like this. I talked to this other guy, this guy the other day, who said, "Well, I I subscribe to 800 RSS news feeds, and I uh, it's I I'm not I can't do it in your interface." And you know, it's just like, "Well, great. Well, don't." <laughs> I mean, you know, we we don't pretend to be, uh, you know, to, to be appropriate for all applications, but if you're you know, like if you're a, if you're a salesperson and you've got, uh, you know, you've got an account at Apex, you know, wood paneling company, then, you know, and if there's some RSS news feeds that are appropriate for that particular, you know, maybe the Apex company itself has its own RSS news feed, then you know, use that, use it in context, um, you know, yeah. use use it in a way that's appropriate. I mean, that that's kind of funny because inside the company here, I I'm sort of the um, I'm one of the uh, guardians at the gate, in, in a sense, because there are a lot of people in the company who want to open up the pipeline into the map interface to this huge, like, fire hose gushing. And then there's a bunch of us who say, no, I mean, it's it's all about, you know, limited amounts of information used in the right context. So we have this constant struggle inside the organization of how much how much information will we sort of allow into the into the into the interface, like it's it's not an interface where you're going to visualize 50 terabytes of data. You know, it's it, it, it doesn't work. That's not what it's for. If you have a, a you know one of those topographical maps that, that shows you something about those 10 terabytes of data, then yeah, put that, make that an image inside the map, and that'll that'll tell you something. Um, and we, we've actually uh, done this this thing where we do these things called spark lines. You guys ever heard of those? No, what's a spark line? It's interesting. It's a, it's just a little, it's a little. It's actually just a little um, visual representation of of the way data changes over time or over some variable. So it, it's just it's just a little squiggly line to be very scientific about it. Um, but it's a it's a little line that'll show you, like for example, um, like we use them for our newsletter stuff, like uh, like our download. The downloads to our website will be, you know, at a certain level. Then we'll put out a newsletter, and suddenly they'll spike, and then they'll drop down again. And we'll, um, and it's just the kind of thing where, where we can actually have a, an active sparkline on a on a topic on the map that's that's actually backed up with a direct XML connection to the database. So every time I open that map, or every time I refresh, that sparkline can change to show me some new data that's come into the database. And it's a way for like a, a, a salesperson or a manager or something to immediately look at a particular data point and see visually right in the map interface like, hmm, now why 
why is that peaking right there? Why in our April sales last year, why did it peak right then? And then they can they can click and go to the data points and see why that was. And it's so it's this whole idea of uh, trying to find a concise visual way to, to capture a lot of information in in the map interface, but then also give people a way to get to the actual details. And that's that's sort of the whole metaphor for our for the interfaces. You know, give me the high level stuff and give me a way to get to the details if I need to. Yeah. And you can drill down very easily, right? You know, if it's linked properly, you just double click and you're drilling down into the original data source. Yeah, right. Yeah. So are you finding that with the, you know, last sort of 12, 18 months, the release and sort of the uptake and usage on stuff like the tablet PC? Because the tablet PC is, you know, an obvious way to be dealing with sort of mapping out your what you're thinking and how you're dealing with stuff. Do you find that that's made a, mm-hmm. a big impact on the on the uptake of Mind Manager? Um, no, we don't. <laughs> we think it should. I think, I, but I think that's more tied to the fact that the tablet has done as well as mm. people expected. Um, and when when we show tablet users that, that you can create these mind map things on their tablets, it's I think people understand the the value of it, but. Yeah, I think we've, we've been a little bit disappointed at how many tablets are being sold out there, and that. Uh, I mean, it's it's been good for us because we've. It's kind of it's when the tablets first came out, when, when our first when our application first came out, we got some good um, media coverage, and we also were able to make some interesting um, relationships with some of the tablet PC vendors, which has been helpful. But in terms in terms of revenue, it hasn't really driven much, and the, the media actually doesn't seem to be covering tablets that much. So, yeah, so maybe someday. <laughs> how how yeah, do you use now. it mostly, Cam? Do you use it in tablet mode or in straight PC mode? Um, it depends where I am. I was sitting in a Starbucks here uh, the other day using it in tablet mode, and uh, I was really impressed with the handwriting recognition and, and just the handwriting interface converting it into text as well. You know, one of the things that I use it for is managing this show. So I've got uh, a map of everything that we're doing with this show, all the people that we've interviewed, all the upcoming interviews, people I'd like to interview, and they're all linked through to their contact information, etc. And there's a number of those that were still uh, handwritten from sitting in Starbucks the other day. So um, I opened it up in, a, in keyboard mode the other day and just got it to convert all of those into... Text and it was fantastic. You know, it was instantaneous. Transformed all of the handwriting in my map into text, which was really impressive. Um, you know, I, I guess I can type. I can still type a lot faster than I can write, and I'm still getting used to using a tablet PC interface. But the other thing that I like about using my manager in tablet PC mode is I can I can draw pictures <laughs> to define what I'm yeah. thinking. I, I'm one of these people who really thinks visually. And sometimes I can't really capture what I'm thinking about in words. So one of the projects that I'm working on at the moment is designing a, uh, an online uh, service for a financial services company. And uh, I was sort of brainstorming with them the other day using a mind map. And we were starting to talk about what the interface would look like. So I started drawing it straight into Mind Manager and it you know, ends up in there as a picture. Okay, so that's... Yeah, no, it's it's just it's it's nice. It's the whole pen-based interface with a computer actually is a big shift. I, I find it's not 
as natural as I thought it would be. It's like I'm almost having to reignite a part of my brain that hasn't been used for 20 years. <laughs> hmm, how do you use a pen to capture information? Actually, do you know, <laughs> do you know uh, Mark Orchant, Hobie? Yeah, yeah. We had Mark on the show a week or two ago, and he we were talking oh, really? about... Yeah, which was great. And we were talking about um, the rise of using these... Um, what are they called, Mick? Those uh, diaries. Oh, the um, the ones with the the, <laughs> the the felt covers. Uh yeah. Those anyway, with felt covers. Yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the, the physical physical diaries. Yeah, yeah, the 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 things that Van Gogh used to. Yeah, they're all popular his now. Notebooks. Yeah. Moleskins. Moleskins. That's it. The mol the moleskin notepads. Moleskina. Moleskina, that's what you call if you use one, yeah, Moleskina. And and Mark was talking about the fact that he and a lot of other gadget-centric people he knows are actually going back to carrying a pen and a pad with them to scribble down notes and write stuff because it doesn't run out of batteries and it boots up very quickly and uh, all this kind of stuff. So we were having a big debate about pen versus uh, electronic or analog versus electronic. But, it's yeah, it's an interesting thing for me with tablet PCs... Uh, getting to use a pen again. And we were talking about the, you know, disappointing uh, adoption of tablet PCs to date, and Mark mm. was saying he thinks this new version that's coming out might shift that, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I keep a um, notebook next to my computer, and if, if I, I tend to interview people a lot, and I, and I want to take notes, and, and I'll write it down in the notebook, my notebook, <clears throat> And then hang up and just go. Why did I do that? Why did I write it on a piece of paper? Because now I'm going to have to write it. You know, it's just, it's just this. It's for me. It's just like sort of almost out of desperation. I write it down because I know. You know, like you're saying, I know my pen works. There's a piece of paper right here. Yeah. But you know, if I if I just do one extra step and just open up a, a Word document or a map and just capture it there, then I would be so far ahead. Because I know, I've got you know, I've got two feet of these notebooks stacked next to my, in my office. You know. And I know that in there there's really great stuff about things that I would like to know about, but I don't have, I have no idea where they are. So yeah. That's it, it, true that the my pen never runs out of batteries. It runs out of ink. <laughs> well, but, you should... But, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, just not being able to ever find it again, that just drives me nuts. Well, we were talking about that, and, you know, I was saying that I used to use one of those Franklin planners uh, 10 years ago, and then it got stolen. I'd used it for 10 years, and it got stolen out of my car. And it was like no backups... You know, there's, it was gone. No Ten photo, years no of notes. And, yeah, that's right. You know, it was, so there are pros and cons, I guess, of both both tools. Now, something <laughs> I wanted to ask you about is um, blogging. Uh, you, know, you mentioned you don't have a blog, and I, I haven't seen mm. on the Mind Manager site any blogs or even any links to the very good Mind Manager blogs that are being run out there by various people. What's your position as the uh, Manager of External Affairs on Blogging, Hobie? Well, I, th- I mean, I think as a as a I, as a as a company, I mean, I, 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 get, I just I would love to be able to do it. I would love to have the time and the space. But it's like the, the people that are breathing down my neck aren't breathing down my neck about when are we going to get that blog site up. They want to <laughs> know when are when, when are we going to be on the cover of Time Magazine. So, in you know, in the hierarchy of, of my needs, 
at this point, blogs blogs are something that, that I'm starting to pay a whole lot more attention to from a media perspective, like like you know Mark and you guys, you know. I mean, because it's 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 taken me a while, but I finally figured out that that's really where um, influence is being wielded, and so we need to be more we need to have more of a presence there. And and in our, in our last um, major marketing meeting, we we talked about starting a blog. And I, I don't know. I guess it's just you know we're always just we're just sort of chasing after the next fire, you know. And uh, I think there's just this this perception of like what we need to do is we need to hire someone whose sole purpose will be to keep keep to do blogs because it it just there's this, a feeling that it just requires a lot of um, time and energy to maintain it. It's funny you should mention that. <laughs> Mick and I happen to know a company that's been set up specifically <laughs> to help companies write blogs and manage the right? production of blogs and podcasts. Yeah, we should talk offline. <laughs> talk after the call. Anybody um, we know? <laughs> well, let's say they're not sitting too far from us right now. <laughs> well, that's interesting, yeah, because... I mean, and I think that the... Uh, you're right. There are some interesting um, mind uh, mapping blogs out there, and, and you know, I don't know. I mean, I use I use this, you know, Daypop, and then there's one other one that's name escapes me. But it's it's interesting for me as a media person to just do a probably twice a week. I'll just do a Daypop search and just see how how many hits there are for us. And, you know, my MindJet and my manager in the blogging community just to see. And it's you know, I mean, a year ago it was virtually zero, and now it's it's getting pretty good. And I'm I started to tell my VP that we need to pay more attention to it, and, and they're still like, what, "What's a blog?" So, yeah, <laughs> it's an education curve. So, this is one question I like to ask of PR types when we get them on the show. If I was to get up on my blog tonight and say, "You know what? My manager really sucks. It's a dog. It's got fleas. Don't go near it. It just doesn't work. It's a piece of crap. It's not worth the money." Would you? How long would it take you to? Um, a, find out about the fact that I'd written that, and B, would you do anything about it? And if so, what? Um, well, like I say, I, I, I do a search a couple of times. We, you don't need to do this, okay? We can just do this <laughs> offline. <laughs> we don't need to have a test like this or something. Yeah. Um, I told you, man, no, if we go I anywhere that's uncomfortable, we can... we can just say stop and we'll edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we'd we'd leave no, it in you asking us to stop, <laughs> but you know it's more fun. Than that. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean I would. I mean my ability to find it is limited by the the usefulness of the search engines that I have, and also, I mean I think we have some some allies out there in the blogging um, community, and if and if that happened and it went unresponded to, then I'm I hopefully somebody would let me know. But yeah, we we would absolutely respond. I mean, I just, I, I we would absolutely respond. And and actually, we there was a guy who had a blog piece the other day about, um, you know, we were too expensive and you should use FreeMind and blah blah blah. And you know, I don't I don't take a, a an adversarial position because actually for us it's kind of interesting that, I mean, it's I hate to say this, but we're sort of in the same position that Ronald Reagan was in when he was running for president. God help You've us. You've got Alzheimer's. <laughs> well, that too. But you know, his whole thing was that there's no such thing as bad publicity, and and the the, the thing that we face is just that so few people know about mind mapping that it's almost 
you know, if somebody's out there dissing our product, but maybe supporting mind mapping, then that's that's okay because we can we can enter into a, a dialogue with someone. And, I mean, we we believe that our product is really good. So if someone thinks that it's bad, then you know we'd like to know why, you know, and and see if we can work with them and get them to understand why it's why it actually is a good product. So. Um, I mean, I don't have all the time in the world to spend my time chasing people around in, you know, cyberspace or whatever. But, but at the same time, we uh, this company has really, um, it's grown by word of mouth. I mean, uh, the, a huge percentage of our sales come from word of mouth, uh, a staggering percentage of them. And so, uh, you know, there's been a couple of times when I've had to say to our management, "Look, you guys, we we have we are living." By word of mouth, and we will die by word of mouth. So we need to be really, we need to pay attention to what people are saying about us, and 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 respond to the stuff because you know, bad rumors spread just as quickly as good rumors do. So I guess we winded answer. No, it's a good answer actually. I mean, it's you know, I don't think um, there are many companies that are doing technorati or PubSub or Daypop searches on their products on a regular basis these days, and. Many companies don't have a strategy in place for well, what do we do? Do we do we just ignore bad stuff being said about us, or do we you know put out a, a spin release, or do we actually start a conversation with that person and find out why they feel that way and, and handle it publicly and openly and transparently, which is I guess kind of the clue train style of dealing with it. And there's been a couple of instances recently where I've been really impressed with companies like uh, Newsgator, an RSS aggregator that I use in Outlook. Where I, I had a had a an annoying, a small but annoying issue with using Newsgator, and I posted about it on my blog. And literally within the next 12 hours, somebody from Newsgator was commenting on my blog saying, you know, here's the reason for the problem, and here's what you do to fix it, and and if there's anything else we can do, uh, you know, shoot me an email and let me know. Now, you know, okay, so I'm one person, and that's no big deal, but I have a fairly high Google ranking for uh, many things because the blog gets quite a few readers and if somebody's searching for Newsgator there's a good chance they're going to find my blog and see that story mm-hmm. and uh, I think you know I think that's a really clever yeah. thing to do you know anyway. I, I absolutely agree I mean and uh, you know you know the forget advertising you know I mean I guess people say now that advertising is good if you've already got this huge market share it's a good way to to Maintain it, and I'm sure you know Pepsi and Coca-Cola live by advertising. But you know, for the rest of us, it's not about it's not about paid point of view. It's all about you know complete. You know, the 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 more people are disconnected from us, the more credence they have in the marketplace. So 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 people who are running blogs and writing exactly what they feel about things, and then yeah, I think you guys you wield a lot of influence and and. Uh, the, the, the only problem I, ever, I have is that I, and maybe you guys can answer this for me. I, I always I always feel uncomfortable going to a blog site and posting as a representative of a company because I, I always feel like it's sort of like we don't want any you know official PR types coming into our blog space because we're just people talking to other people. So I I, I, I usually go to if there's something that's been said about our, <laughs> our product on a website, I look all over the site trying to figure out some way to contact the the owner. And, and reach them through email rather than post on the site. <laughs> and it's not because no, I'm afraid of. That's not because I don't want to post what what I want to say. You know. 
So you're suggesting that PR people aren't real people? <laughs> that that does tend to be the perception. Yeah, it's, it's. <laughs> yeah. No, look, my you know my advice would be just post a comment and say, hey, look, you know, it's Hobie from Mindjet here. You know, really interested to get your feedback. Would love to talk to you more about it. Um, you know, please shoot me an email or call me on this number or whatever it is, or, or call our customer service person or, or just something you know short to the point. And mm. open and mm. transparent. I, mean, that's I think part of the whole response. it's part of the whole conversational process is getting people. You know, if people are going to get comfortable and say nice things, it really comes down to having an open conversation. So, posting in comments is a is quite an important thing to do. I think. I think that's you know, posting on a blog. A blog is just a website without the ability to have comments and the conversation that goes on around it. A blog is not really a blog. It's just a website. Yeah. So yeah, right. It's part of that whole communication yeah, I, I process. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Maybe I'll I'll try that. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting. Like I just two days ago, I had to help create the shortlist for the business blogging awards. And one of the criteria that I sort of, oh, as okay. I was walking around looking at these business blogs, one of the criteria I had to set myself was, well, if people are writing blogs, it's part, you know, it's about having a conversation and building up that that communication with your with your customer base or possible future customer base, they actually had to wipe out blogs that didn't have comments systems on their on their blog because that's part of the the blog process. So, but it's interesting. I mean, having a lot of PR friends, it's like, yeah, how do we tow the, you know, how do we keep the company line without getting into conversation? Because sometimes conversations can be the most dangerous of things. Yeah, I, I don't know. I. I... <laughs> I don't know if I'm an atypical PR person, but I used, to, you know, I used to do reporting, and I, I just have so little patience for for spin and hype. You know, I just feel like it's so counterproductive. I mean, even, even, even from a, um, well, I mean, you know, the the end game is is to represent the company in the best light before the public and customers and stuff. And as soon as you get into spin and hype and and dissembling, then boy, it's just I just feel like it's all over. <laughs> If you can't be frank and honest with people, then then it's going to be difficult. And that that's a little bit of a Pollyanna kind of kind of view. And there are cases where you have to be a kind of a you know hard ass PR person, but not very often. Yeah. You know, I, I ran a survey on our site um, just over the last couple of weeks, Hobie. We, we're talking about doing some dedicated shows on dedicated subjects, and uh, I, I put up eight or nine options for subject topics that we could cover in the shows. And one of the most highly voted for was the uh, show about personal productivity tools, something that um, people are really interested in. And, you know, I think that one of the things we'd love to do is get uh, an expert in mind manager to maybe come on the show and on a regular basis and talk about tips and tricks and things that you may not know about how to get the most out of Mind Manager. I think, I mean, that would be a show I'd listen to because, as you said before, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of the features in the software that I even I just haven't stumbled across yet. Being a typical bloke, you know, when I installed it, it said, would you like to run through the uh, training exercise? I was like, nah, mate, don't worry about that. Cameron, went, Cameron saw <laughs> it, manual.pdf, delete. Straight into it. No worries. How hard can it be, love? Read me file. But, What's that? Yeah, but um, <laughs> you know, having somebody uh, talking to me when I'm driving around in my car or uh, running or at the gym, 
and talking to me about tips and tricks for getting the most out of my money. Something like that would be great. And, you know, there's a lot of bloggers starting to emerge out there that really seem to understand the tool pretty well. And I'm sure you've got a lot of people internally at the company that um, are gurus. Yeah, and actually, um, the, the guy uh, who wrote uh, My Manager for Dummies, Hugh Cameron, he's, um, he's an amazing guy. I mean, I swear, he know, he, I mean, it's, it's actually, it's, it's a pretty common occurrence that our customers know way more about our software than we do. I mean, in terms of actually using it, you know. I mean, we just, we build it and we try to keep up with it, but the people who are using it every day and doing, trying to figure out how to do, like we had this one guy who, uh, he, he figured out how to connect it up to a bunch of power turbines and he had some sort of like real time <laughs> thing going on. So he, he had like this one map and he'd sit there with this map and the, There'd be like numbers clicking and, and little wave things moving, and he'd be like watching the oscillation of, of you know five different electrical turbines and all this stuff. And we're just like, <laughs> how did you do that? And this was like you know five years ago or you know three years ago. This just cracks me up the way people. I mean, people just figure out these things to do. We're just like, okay, and you're then, great. And then backed away slowly but, from uh, him. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but that's good. Yeah, that's. I mean, we would. We'd, we'd, we could suggest a number of people who'd be really fun to have on your show if you, if you did that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, look, I think we're almost out of time, Hobie, but uh, it's been absolute pleasure having you on the show. Any last comments you want to tell people if they want to check out Mind Manager, where they go, what they do, all that kind of stuff? Uh, well, the easiest thing to do is just to go to our website. Just go to www.mindjet.com. It's M-I-N-D-J-E-T.com. And there's a there's a lot of um, you know stuff that shows you how the software works and in, you know what kind of role based um, usages there is like if you're a salesperson or a manager or a project manager stuff like that different ways you can use it and um, I guess I guess I would just say that it's uh, for people that deal with a lot of complex information and need to manage a lot of different things going on in their life which I think is just about everybody on the planet then um, you know, it's it's an interesting way to go about doing your work, and and I our experience with a half a million customers now is that once you start playing around with mind maps, it's the odds that you go back to your normal linear documents and multiple windows inside your whatever application you're using are just they're they're less likely you're less likely to go back to that way of working because it's just not uh, like I was saying earlier, it's just not really brain friendly. Our, I think the whole mind mapping thing, you know, whether it's our software or any of our competitors, it's just it's just a more natural way to work with information. And, and I think people, once they give it a try, they'll see that for themselves. Good stuff. Well, thanks very much well, for taking I'm gonna the time. Go download the latest, this, I'm going to go download the latest version and have a play with it on my tablet. So there you go. There you go. So you got first sale. <laughs> yeah, one, all right. <laughs> one sale an hour. There okay. you go. <laughs> hey, let's do lunch. Well, thanks a lot, you guys. Huh? And if you ever come down thanks, to visit Hobart, really pre- uh, uh, Hobart if you ever, yes. so if you ever come down to visit the, your birth town or the town named after you in your honour, let us know. We'll buy you a beer, mate. Oh, I'm going to see you at demo. Okay. You're going to be at demo, right? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll have a beer demo. Excellent. Looking forward to it. All right, me too. That's great. Are you both coming or what? <laughs> no, no, Mick. Uh, Mick's not allowed to come. Uh, he's not allowed to leave the country. It's this thing: if he leaves the oh, country, dear. they won't let him back in, kind of thing. <laughs> he's kind of on the run from the law. He can't afford to go through customs. It's kind of messy. <sighs> yes, Cameron. <laughs> Someone's got to stay back here and hold the fort while Cameron goes off gallivanting. Well, um, so, 
Okay, well, well I'll, I'll look for that plane ticket in the mail, and as soon as I get it, I'll come on down. Excellent. We'll talk about it at, uh, in Arizona, mate. Thanks very much. Have a great night. All right, Obi. sounds good. Thanks a lot, Cheers, mate. Bye. Okay, you too. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to find more great podcasts, then head over to the Podcast Network. You can find us at www.thepodcastnetwork.com. We've got tech shows, we've got business shows, we've got lifestyle shows, and hey, we've even got G'day World. So head on over to thepodcastnetwork.com for all your podcast listening needs.